after that game against San Diego State, I'm going to do something that Arizona State couldn't do for the entire second half. Drive. This is the road back from San Diego. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Welcome to the Devil's Junkie Podcast. I am your host, Ralph Amsden, and uh, this is the road back from San Diego. If you are new to the Devil's Junkie Podcast, uh, sometimes I do this. Stream of Consciousness Podcasts on the way home from road games. It's about 1.30 in the morning, Arizona time, which is also California time, and I am headed back to lovely Pinal County, Arizona, from SDCCU Stadium or Qualcomm or whatever it is or was called uh, after Arizona State falls to San Diego State 28-21 in what was a fairly frustrating game for three and three-fourths quarters and then became an even more frustrating game uh, for reasons that we will definitely be getting into. So let's just start off right now and say, uh, I guess you can target. I guess you should target. I guess you can hit somebody with the crown of your helmet with the intent to injure them if it means that you're going to win the game. This is not a slight against San Diego State. Hear me out here. Last year, after Arizona State lost to San Diego State, prior to this game, uh, on multiple occasions on Speak of the Devil's podcast when I was a guest, I said that San Diego State, one one of the appeals of San Diego State, is that they do absolutely whatever it takes to win the game including draw penalties. And I always would say it's not a moral issue. Holding, not a moral issue. Defensive holding, offensive holding, illegal block downfield, whatever you can do to try to give your team an advantage when there's a talent gap. If you're San Diego State, why not do it? Why not check to see if the refs are going to throw the flag every single time? Why not? Because if they're not going to throw the flag and it ends up being an advantage on your part, then you're good. Targeting is a little bit different. I like to say that penalties aren't a moral issue. Uh, But what if you know the rules and you know you're not supposed to blow somebody up? You know you're not supposed to go after their head. You're not supposed to do to them what you wouldn't want somebody else's defensive back doing to one of your guys. And targeting's been an iffy rule since it was introduced. Some things are, some things aren't. It's always up for debate. Refs seem almost excited to call it. I was at a high school game on Friday night, Saguaro versus Chaparral. On the first play of the game, a kid was booted for targeting. And in college, you can go uh, under the hood or to the replay booth or, uh, you know, call up to the press box or however they do it, wherever they do it, and find out if it was actually targeting or not. There's a review process. In high school, there's not. So speaking of that review process, Manny Wilkins goes deep at the end of the game. And 
I almost hate to even talk about this because then I'm going to want to back up and talk about how you got in this situation. But everybody knows, if you watched, I, I, I don't understand why you would listen to the Devil's Junkie podcast without it, <laughs> having watched the Arizona State football game. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start at the end. I'm going to assume that you know. Even if you've seen highlights, this has got to be something that is of concern to you. Manny Wilkins goes deep. Uh, Frank Darby comes down with the ball. Six seconds left. Gets absolutely destroyed. Um, and uh, flags are thrown. Multiple flags. Multiple refs. And the assumption is, all right, this is probably going to be called targeting. I mean, there was a legal contact prior to the targeting. Uh, I tweeted out the video of the catch. I was about as close as anyone could have possibly been to the play. On the, on, on the side of the field. And, you know, there was a legal contact before Frank Darby makes the catch. Three defenders. He gets hit up high by one, comes down, and it's very possible the ball bounced off the turf. It's very possible that he had possession of the ball and his arm jarred and that caused the ball to move. He feels like he caught it. He talked about that after the game. He felt like he caught the ball that it was going to be moved from the two-yard line to the one after the targeting penalty, and Arizona State was going to get to go out there with six seconds left, run the ball in, which is an ambitious assumption based on how this game went, that they would be able to get that one yard. Uh, But, you know, Darby thought he came down with it. I think most people thought he came down with it. And when they were reviewing whether or not it was going to be upheld to be targeting, which ultimately, look, doesn't affect the outcome of this game. It, it, you know, you're not going to make use of a defensive back uh, on the on that final play to find out whether or not ASU is going to be able to punch it in from the two-yard line. What ends up happening is they come back and they say, yeah, it was targeting. But also, it was an incomplete pass. So, much to the surprise of everybody in the stadium, some good surprise, some bad surprise, the ball gets taken all the way back, I think, to the 35-yard line. With six seconds left. Instead of being at the one-yard line, Arizona State's backed up 35 yards. They have to essentially throw a Hail Mary to try to win the game. That pass gets batted down, and that's it. Arizona State falls at San Diego State, falls to 2-1 on the season. Loses a game that they definitely didn't deserve to be in at the end, to be in that situation. And I I tweeted that this felt like, you know, there was going to be a lot of people focused on whether or not it was a catch, whether or not you should be able to uh, target somebody and essentially have it work out to be advantageous for you. All of those are completely valid discussions in a vacuum that ignores what happened the rest of this game. A game that Arizona State, frankly, should have dominated. They absolutely should have. This might sound ridiculous, but I stand by my prediction. It's hard to stand by a prediction when you've been objectively proven wrong, as I have in this case, but I feel as though Arizona State could have come in and dominated San Diego State in their own stadium. 
but it's almost like they didn't want to. And we'll get into that. But let's go back to Frank Darby, incomplete pass. You know, he he's talking about it after the game, and he's a he's a lighthearted guy. He's not too broken up over what happened. He honestly he did what he could have in that situation, and all game long. Frank Darby was magnificent. He absolutely dominated. There was nothing that anybody could do when he was streaking down the field. He was going to come down to the ball regardless. I think uh, that he definitely deserves a lot of credit. I'm already getting tweets from people that say he should have held on to the ball. Oh, man. Put yourself in his shoes. Uh, Again, again, are we 100% certain that he didn't? I don't know. I, I have the video I took. I have being six or seven feet away. I'm not sure there would have been definitive evidence enough to, if that was the focus of, of, of a review. Uh, but apparently it was. Apparently it was the focus of a review that also included whether or not somebody was targeting. So, I I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But I do have people in my mentions on Twitter saying he, he should have held on to the ball and I don't really know what to say to that because I imagine I mean if if you were if you were walking down the street with a water bottle in your hand and someone came and stepped out from behind a wall and cracked you over the head with a baseball bat and you dropped the water bottle on the ground I don't think the first thing that somebody should say is hey you should have held on to that water bottle you spilled it everywhere like I you know it he dropped the ball because he got drilled in the head by somebody's helmet. If he dropped the ball. I don't know. Ultimately, I don't care. I don't care what happened on that last play because they never should have been in that situation in the first place. They were fortunate to be in that situation. And Arizona State shouldn't be in a situation where they're depending on fortune. They could have dominated that game. They had an opportunity. And what I what I tweeted was, it's like building a bank in Vice City, which is a, a, of, of Grand Theft Auto fame. You're just begging to get robbed. Building a bank in the most crime-ridden city in the world, of course you're going to get robbed. And that was the situation that Arizona State put themselves in. To leave it up to the refs, Arizona State should know better than anybody that you can't put yourself in a situation where you leave it up to the refs. Arizona State's been on the beneficial end of some of that. Out of the Wisconsin game of a couple of years ago comes to mind. So, Arizona State leaves it in the hands of the refs and the game gets taken uh, out of their hands. And what a lot of people want to talk about and I feel as ambivalent about this as I do the subject of whether or not Frank Darby um, not holding on to the ball after being targeted or whether targeting should be able to cause an incompletion or whatever. I feel the same way about this other hot topic that I do about the Frank Darby situation, and it's that there's so many other things that happen that I don't think this factors in as much as people want it to, but Arizona State in the second quarter had an opportunity to go up 17-7, to and instead of kicking the field goal, 
there was some confusion. They probably, if they were going to run a play, probably should have used tempo to try to go ahead and get it done right away. There was some confusion. A timeout gets called. Arizona State comes back out. And Manny Wilkins isn't able to do anything. They turn the ball over on downs right before the half. But with that, just about two minutes that's left, San Diego State marches down. And instead of being down 21-7 or being down 17-7, we go into halftime 14 apiece. And here are the things that, that I'm seeing on social media about that. A, you have to take the points. Valid argument. I don't, uh, I don't disagree. I mean, Herm Edwards obviously disagrees. He made the call that they were going to try to go for in that situation. After the game, he said, I will make that call every time to go for it. Every time. He said it was a matter of execution. They didn't execute. San Diego State did. You know, I had feelings about it. I tweeted that lining up in, lining up in shotgun... Uh, on fourth and one in any situation but especially at the goal line feels to me a lot like in basketball when you have a three on one fast break and someone one of the three pulls up for a three pointer completely uncontested now if that three goes in great if you miss you're a jerk for pulling up for a three pointer when you have a three on one when you should work it to the open man and try to take the easy basket, right? So when you're in fourth and one, if you're not able to just go out and get that yard, take it. Um, and instead, you put yourself four yards behind the line of scrimmage, call a slow developing play, end up not getting the first down, then you come off looking like a jerk. This is something that happened in the Mike Norvell Todd Graham era quite a bit. Uh, that was a cause for concern and caused some debate. Uh, the the Oregon game of three years ago comes to mind of, uh, you know, throwing an interception late in the game when they absolutely had the opportunity to just run the ball. And I know that if Brad Denny's listening, he's giving a hearty amen. So, I mean, I'm not... I'm, I'm more take issue with the way in which Arizona State attempted to convert the fourth down than the fact that they were attempting it in the first place. Because you might say, well, Herm Edwards said that he'd make that call every time, but last week he kicked the field goal to win. Well, maybe that's what he was doing in this case. Maybe what he was trying to do is get the first down, bleed the clock, ultimately maybe end up kicking the field goal anyway so that you go into halftime 17-7 with no time left and you're getting the ball back. I think that it... It is fine. If you want to question Herm Edwards' decision there, that's completely fine. What I'm not so sure about is all of the people that are saying that that changed the complexion of the game. Now, 14-point swings before the half are not something, as as an Arizona Cardinals fan, that I'm a huge fan of. Harkens back to uh, the, the, the Super Bowl in which Arizona, <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals, who I believe may have been lined up in shotgun, uh, tried, to, tried to score a touchdown before halftime, and Kurt Warner ended up throwing a pick to uh, 
to James Harrison, who ran it back for a touchdown. And that, you know, a 14-point swing before halftime, never a good thing. And that's ultimately what ended up happening to Arizona State is, you know, they don't get it. They don't get the fourth down conversion. They give the ball up to San Diego State. And Arizona State, who had played pretty solid defense up until this point, they end up giving up what was the longest and quickest drive of the game for San Diego State. They score right before halftime, and you go into halftime at 14-14. Now, where I I do take issue with all of the people saying that that touchdown, as well as the failure to just take points, changed Arizona State. I don't think that that call is the reason that ASU played so conservatively and tight and disorganized and frustrated in the second half. You have the ability to go in at halftime, adjust your thought process, adjust to what the defense is showing you, and come out and try to do something that will make an impact offensively. I don't think that Arizona State was sweating that at all. If there was any lingering frustration, you go into halftime and you say, you know, hey, we had an opportunity to go up 21 to 7. We didn't. It's 14-14, but we were dominating in the first half. What do we need to do to continue to do that in the second half? That is not what happened. I do not think that you can qualify or quantify. I like I do not think that you can scientifically prove that it was that decision to not kick the field goal that caused all of the offensive mishaps in the second half. Some of which were carryovers from some of the terrible decision making that took place in the first quarter and for the majority of the second quarter as well. Were you trying to get the ball to Nikhil Harry? No. Does not kicking a field goal at the end of the second half make you forget where your bread is buttered? It shouldn't. Were Arizona State's receivers running routes beyond 15 yards, even though Manny Wilkins showed that he was on with the deep ball and that Frank Darby was absolutely dominating down the field? I don't think that missing the opportunity to take the points with a field goal at the end of the first half has anything to do with whether or not Arizona State was taking shots down the field in the third quarter, which they obviously were not. Does the fact that you do not have the ability to even get any push with the offensive line whatsoever in the first quarter or in the second quarter have anything to do with whether or not you took the points with a field goal at the end of the second quarter when the fact that you couldn't do it in the third and you couldn't do it in the fourth was a continuation of something that was already going on. Arizona State moved the ball down the field when they took shots and they stopped taking shots. What does that have to do with not kicking a field goal? 
Arizona State was not able to run the ball in the beginning of the game. They were not able to run the ball at the end of the game. What does that have to do with not taking the points? So I, I disagree I, uh, with the majority. You know, I, I don't know how the majority of the fan base feels. I don't know how the majority of the people listening to this uh, feel. I do know what I'm seeing on social media. And the people that are being vocal are being vocal about Arizona State not choosing to take the points at the end of the second quarter. And to me, that's not the issue. There are other issues. This is two games in a row where Arizona State has not been able to create space for Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin knows how to run the ball. This is not an Eno Benjamin issue. This is a R. John Simon, the running backs coach, and Dave Christensen, the offensive line coach, and Rob Likens, the offensive coordinator, on the same page issue. The talent is there. This is an offensive line that can run block. Stephen Miller, that is his strength. Cole Cabral, that is his strength. Now they were doing some rotation on the offensive line. I think uh, uh, Zach Robertson played some right tackle tonight. Um, Casey Tucker had said that he was having trouble with the 3-3-5 just in ASU's practices. I think some of that probably continued into, into this game of having to figure out what the blocking assignments were. But the truth is, San Diego State was just more physical. They looked like they wanted it more. They were able to collapse the pocket on Manny Wilkins repeatedly. So I, this, is a, this is an issue where the coaches need to figure out if our running game has been taken away, then what do we need to do? In my personal opinion, as an observer of this football team who is on the outside, who has no control over anything that goes on and is not a coach and is merely fulfilling the role of an armchair critic, the same as anyone else at this moment that I'm recording this, I would say that you should try to use Noel Mazzoni style you should try to use the passing game as your running game if you have no running game. Which means getting the ball into Nikhil on the line of scrimmage and seeing if you can stretch it into three or four yards. Doing the same thing with Ryan Newsom. Doing the same thing with Ryan Jenkins. Doing the same thing with Kyle Williams. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Let them eat up three or four yards at a time. Work it to different sides of the field. Us, with, with how aggressive they were, the fact that Arizona State didn't really ever have a screen passing game was a little bit of an issue for me. They had Traylon Smith available. They had him ready to go, and, 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 and they had him, you know, dressed out. And they didn't try to make use of, of, of the smaller, quicker... Uh, back when Eno Benjamin wasn't able to do anything. What did they do instead? They brought in A.J. Carter. The offensive line's not able to create space for Eno Benjamin. They're not going to be able to create space for somebody who's three inches and 40 taller and 40 pounds heavier. 
This probably should have been a situation where you were moving Isaiah Floyd around, moved him out to the slot, where you ran a couple of draws and or screens for Traylon Smith, where you tried to take advantage of the fact that you have some quick guys and use their speed. Early on, they went to Brandon Ayuk. Don't think we heard from him the rest of the game offensively. Nikhil was just nowhere to be found. You have to force feed the guy. If you're in Arizona State, especially if you're not up big, if you're not winning, Arizona State fans should be thinking to themselves when they watch ASU play, oh man, going to Nikhil again three, four times in a row? Is that too much? That's the situation you should be in. Not how many series has it been since they tried to get Nikhil the ball. If he's the best player on the field, you need to try to get the ball in his hands. He was single covered by former high school teammate Kyrie Woods for a majority of the night. And I tweeted out that Nikhil Harry's not a sentimental guy on the football field. He absolutely would love to have taken advantage of that situation. And Kyrie Woods played well. I'll give that to him. He had four tipped passes, four deflected passes. He came in having one career deflected pass. So he played well. But I guarantee you, if you throw 50-50 balls to Nikhil Harry, they're actually more like 70-30 balls. If you hit him on bubble screens, he'll be able to get more yards than Eno Benjamin would on a, a simple draw play or, or, or dive. Arizona State's uh, options that they run are a little bit slow developing right now. It seemed to be easy to read for defenses. It's actually kind of hard to critique what Arizona State was doing offensively in that game when you consider that they didn't have much offense in that game, especially in the second half. At one point, they had four straight three and outs. They ran 12 plays, none of which were effective. How do you critique that other than to say, why wasn't Nikhil Harry touching the ball? Why not get Manny Wilkins out on the move with a designed rollout or a designed run if they're keying so much on the running back. I think it's fair, especially in the face of a loss, that probably should have been a win, if we're being honest. I think it's fair in the face of a loss to say, all right, well, what were some of the concerns going into the season? One of which was a relative lack of experience as far as Rob Likens calling the offense. So if that was a concern going into the season, should it continue to be a concern after a game like tonight? Probably. That probably deserves some discussion. You know, Arizona State's offensive line, would there be cohesion there? Would the rotation be able to work out? Would they be able to open holes, you know, because they weren't able to last year? Is Dave Christensen going to be an upgrade from what they've had the previous couple years? Rob Sale. You know, I I think that that's worth a discussion as well. As somebody who grew up a Wyoming fan, I, I watched Dave Christensen's offensive line 
struggled to do certain things at Wyoming for quite a few years. I watched him go to Texas A&M, watched him go to Utah, and watched the, the, the issues that those schools had in the running game, and watched how he took the blame for it uh, in a couple of those circumstances. So I think that you have to say, you know, is this the best? Uh, is this the best that Arizona State can do in, in this situation? Does Dave Christensen have what it takes? Now, remember, Dave Christensen, the same guy that helped Missouri run absolutely um, phenomenal offenses prior to taking the head coaching job at Wyoming. But you know, and John Simon, John Simon's running backs are fantastic as far as not turning the ball over. But so far, uh, outside of Week One, you haven't seen much from 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 those guys. Guys that looked really, really great in practice. So I think it's an important question to say: uh, What's it going to take for John Simon and Dave Christensen and Rob Likens to get on the same page? Because Arizona State has four touchdowns in the last eight quarters. One of which came in garbage time. That ended up not being garbage time. But I I would say that that's a bigger issue to me than anything else. Because those were concerns going into the season. Another concern was, does Herm Edwards have any idea what he's doing? There were clock management issues when he was a coach in the NFL. And then you have games like last week at Michigan State when, you know, they take the gamble of letting the clock run completely out and it pays off. And then you have today's gamble, which doesn't pay off. And I think for the amount of praise that Herm Edwards got last week, I think it's only fair to give an equal amount of criticism if you felt like that wasn't the right decision today. So I don't know. I, I, I don't really know what to say as far as what Arizona State fans should be concerned about. I will say that was a winnable game. Not just a winnable game. That was a dominatable game, if that's a word. If it's not a word, it should be. That was a game that Arizona State could have easily had in hand. And I think, yeah, it's easy to recognize the fact that it, had they converted on that fourth down, they probably scored a touchdown there. They're up 21-7. Had they converted the first down before the touchdown, there wouldn't have been enough time for San Diego State to try to march down and score anyway. A 21-7 Arizona State halftime lead is a much different conversation than 14-14. Because San Diego State only scored one touchdown, kicked two field goals, in the second half, if you take a 14-point lead, if you take a 14-point lead into that second half, I'm not sure that San Diego State has the ability to catch up. Especially with how great Arizona State has done as far as taking care of the football. And this has got to be probably the most maddening thing if you're an Arizona State fan. Teams that take care of the ball and play good defense win. How is Arizona State going to not have any turnovers 
and played decent enough defense. 28 points for having been on the field the entire game and having to deal with Jawan Washington the entire game and having to deal with the fact that eight people on that team are dedicated to run blocking on nearly every single play. You know, one guy split out wide, you got a fullback and two tight ends, and all Jawan Washington has to do is figure out where they got the best push and jump cut into that hole. And even then, how many big runs did they break? How many runs of 25 plus yards? I'm not sure there were any. And that's typically what happens in these games where you have a, a, a team that runs the ball 40 or 50 times, they're going to break one. They do it because they're going to eventually break one. What ended up happening instead is five yards, four yards, six yards, three yards, five yards, four yards, six yards, three yards. And San Diego State was just able to chew up clock. Eventually the dam broke and they were able to get in the end zone late in the fourth quarter. And that, that really should have been that at 28-14. But Arizona State showed a lot of resolve. They started throwing the ball to Nikhil Harry. Imagine that. And I know that I know that San Diego State went up 28-14, was playing in a little bit of a relaxed state. But it doesn't matter because Nikhil Harry was still catching the balls in a crowd. They weren't doing that much different with him in the first three quarters than they were on the drive where he caught a few passes and ended up catching a touchdown. He was covered on every single one of those plays. He wasn't wide open in any of those circumstances. It's completely fair to think they should have been forcing the ball to him because anything would be better than going four straight drives without getting a first down. Now, the defense played fine. I had some people that were concerned on social media that they weren't uh, tackling well. I mean, you try tackling a 5'7", 190-pound guy like Juwan Washington. It's not going to be easy, especially on a defense this young. But it's not like they gave up big plays. There were some really, really big holes. And the safeties, whether it was King, Fields, Harvey stepped up. They all came crashing down, and for the most part, in every circumstance, they were able to make the tackles. I don't think that, I, you know, you can look at the fact that they gave up 300 yards rushing. Or you can look at the fact that San Diego State got 300 yards rushing because that was the only thing that they could really do was get four yards here, five yards there. And A, it worked, and they were disciplined about it. But there's no reason that San Diego State's offensive line should be able to get that kind of push, and Arizona State shouldn't. Not with Casey Tucker out there, not with Steve Miller out there. And yeah, San Diego State shot the gaps well. 
and it felt like they understood Eno Benjamin's tendencies. And it felt like they had quite a bit of preparation on ASU's offense, even though it's only a couple of weeks old. But at the same time, Arizona State should not have had a problem getting yards up the middle against a 3-3-5 defense because getting yards up the middle against a 3-3-5 defense is literally the only way if the defensive backs are on point and fulfilling their assignments. It's literally the only way you're going to get anything done. But Arizona State couldn't do that. Arizona State couldn't run to the outside. Manny Wilkins had a little bit of trouble completing some of those uh, little mini screens and bubbles to Eno Benjamin. I mean, and let's so let's talk about Manny Wilkins since I just mentioned his name. I, he's taken some heat for tonight for getting upset on the sidelines. I don't know what about. You can make assumptions. You know, it was after the call that they didn't take the points. He could have been upset that they didn't go tempo and try to get the yards right there. He could have been upset that he wasn't under center. He could have been upset that they didn't kick the field goal. He could have been upset at himself. I don't know why he was upset. I just know that the play didn't work and that he ultimately had to keep his composure to be able to have the type of game that he did and put Arizona State in a position you know, to be a couple of feet away from tying the, the, the game at the end. 342 yards passing, two touchdowns, no turnovers, and a rushing touchdown shouldn't be anything to dismiss. That's a good game. Manny Wilkins had a good game. It should have been enough to win. Consider the fact that Manny Wilkins had almost 350 yards passing and Arizona State didn't even have a first down for the majority of the second half. That should tell you, had had Arizona State been playing to their strengths, had he been force-feeding Nikhil Harry, had they run Frank Darby out on a couple of more deep routes, Manny Wilkins could have passed for... Manny Wilkins could have passed for, I don't know, 500 yards, 550 yards. They certainly could have got the win. But it feels, it genuinely feels like they chose offensively to just not do the things that you would think an offense with this type of caliber weapons on the outside should do. It was like they consciously decided we're going to try something that isn't working and we're going to keep trying it and keep being proven right that it's not working. Then we're going to keep trying it some more. So I think some of the blame for the 28-21 loss lies at the feet of the offensive coaching staff, the offensive line, you know, and other than that, I felt like Manny did what he could. Eno's good, but he's not Superman. The receivers, when they were given a chance, took care of the ball. 
did the right thing. Tommy Hudson got involved in the offense. But I, I just don't, I don't see, to reiterate, I don't see a lot of the things that are being pointed out on social media as being things that should be grave concern about Arizona State. I, I don't see eye to eye with those things. I don't think Herm Edwards' decision did Arizona State in at all. And I don't think the Arizona State should have lost that game. Honestly, I feel like, you know, people are going to try to blame Manny. People are going to try to blame Danny Gonzalez. If you don't move the ball to try to keep your defense off the field, they're never they're never going to be off the field. Uh, I think that it could be considered a moral victory for this defense to have only surrendered 28 points, considering how bad it could have been had they broken a couple of those runs or had refs not thrown flags when they were attempting to hold. Anyway, I mean, I'll, I'll die on this hill. The defense played fine. They were just on the field too much. Were there missed tackles? Yes, that's going to happen against San Diego State. It's more of an issue of being blown off the ball and the defense not being in the best position to make the tackle in the first place. But there were no, this wasn't Rashad Penny of last year. There were no 90-yard touchdown runs. A lot of their long runs got called back. So I don't blame the defense. But what I want to do is I want to just get in and and give a quick reaction to to how I think each and every position group and the the coaches uh, performed. And obviously, you know, grades aren't going to be that great, not after a loss, at San Diego State, uh, where Arizona State had uh, as much trouble as they did finding the end zone. So um, let's start off with the quarterback. Everything starts at the quarterback position. Um, Manny Wilkins, you know, I'd, I'd say for this for this game, uh, despite throwing for 342 yards, despite throwing for two touchdowns, rushing for another one, not turning the ball over, um, you know, I, I think you got to give Manny Wilkins a B minus uh, in, in this game for not involving Nikhil Harry a little bit more in the offense, not uh, working the little bubble screens and, and dump offs, not taking off running uh, a little bit earlier and trying to make something happen with his feet. Uh, his attitude, obviously, after the the fourth and one call took a, a major dive. Um, you have to wonder if the team was in any way affected uh, by Manny Wilkins' frustration. Um, but, I mean, he, he did make some throws. Um, his, he corrected, you know, the problem from last week on, on, his, on his deep ball. Maybe it was throwing a ball at sea level, who knows. But, he, you know, he, he was able to find Frank Darby deep multiple times. He did not turn the ball over. He completed passes at a, at a, at a high percentage. And he actually had Arizona State in the game at the end. So um, it's definitely not all bad for, for Manny Wilkins. Uh, running backs as a position group, I think, I think this is a pretty solid D if for, for nothing else than the fact that, that uh, 
Eno Benjamin doesn't always give Manny Wilkins consistent help in pass protection, uh, which is going to be something that needs to be um, needs to be adjusted or improved immediately. Obviously, there weren't a lot of lanes to run through, uh, but there were some times where Eno got completely uh, just taken off his feet, took shots to the chest, to the side, um, where where we he went down pretty hard, and that's demoralizing for an offense to you know it's one thing to be tackled it's another thing to be you know knocked off your feet and 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 essentially have your agency as a runner taken from you uh so i i would say overall as a position group i'd have to go ahead and give give the running backs a d even though not much else was done by any other running back but that's part of it you know nothing from floyd factors into it the fact that carter came in uh didn't really do much factors into it the fact that uh that you know you didn't even have Traylon off the bench and, and, and you know all of that i feel like uh factors in uh offensive line uh whew. This one is tough to evaluate the unit as a whole. I will say that this has been Casey Tucker's worst game as a Sun Devil. Some of the changes on the offensive line were interesting to me. This was the second week in a row where uh, Roy Hemsley uh, took a penalty, I believe. Um, And so, you know, the the rotation that they have going on... as far as the offensive line goes, changing people out during the game. Sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, who's responsible for what assignment, uh, who's blocking well. I will say that uh, um, the overall, the offensive line, I'd say I'd give a, a C- minus or, or, or a D+. Plus. Uh, there was... Yeah, there's just there was not a lot encouraging as far as uh, being able to get a push, um, being able to handle what San Diego State does, which is essentially being able to handle what you see a lot of in practice if you're, uh, you know, if you're practicing against that three-three-five defense. And so, uh, not a great grade for the offensive line. Um, tight ends as a group, you know, didn't do much. Blocking wasn't really there, but Tommy Hudson for the second game in a row has shown that if you get him the ball, it's going to take more than one guy to get him down. So I wouldn't give the tight end group a, a, a C just for, to, you know, the emergence of of Tommy Hudson, I won't say as a receiving threat, uh, but as somebody who can get you a couple of, couple of yards dependably uh, has been a nice addition um, for the Sun Devils. Uh, oof, defensive line, uh, there were some good things. Um, pressures from Jalen Bates. Uh, Jordan Hoyt rotated in and did, did, did okay a couple of times. Jermaine Lowley came out and he got his first sack. Uh, There were some encouraging things from the defensive line. Um, I think that the one-on-one matchups, you know, they they did get pushed around by San Diego State's offensive line, but also uh, made quite a bit of plays. So I'd say we're looking at a C- minus or a C for the defensive line. Uh, Linebackers. Um, You know, the, the linebacker is tricky for Arizona State because so many people come in. There was one series tonight uh, where you had uh, one one linebacker in on first down uh, and then uh, another linebacker in on second down and then Karan Crump came in as the uh, as the pass rush specialist and so you know you, you you did see a little bit from JJ Wilson who you know who forced the fumble at the end of the game also got flagged for targeting but that was rescinded uh, Nick Ralston got on the field a little bit um, playing some linebacker uh, Kalen Thomas and Malik Lawal weren't 
excellent, but you know, they weren't out there making mistakes or anything like that. So I'd say maybe a solid C plus for the for the linebacker group and then <laughs> the defensive backs. I, I that this is gonna be your one good grade on the day because not only did Chase Lucas and Kobe Williams have another stellar week as far as you know not really allowing their receiver to do much of anything and, and I mean San Diego State didn't throw much anyway but at the same time you know you, you, you can't hate on those guys for for not seeing balls thrown their way uh, the coverage was was solid throughout the game um, I will say that uh, that Kobe Williams and Chase Lucas had to come up and make a lot of plays and that's why I'd give the position group overall an A because it wasn't just them coming up uh, but I, I feel like Jalen Harvey um, he, he made a couple of tackles in the backfield and he was a nice stopgap for Arizona State while DeMonte King stopped several uh, runs from turning into 50-60 yarders uh, and so for, for that the defense has to be pretty grateful to to King for, for the work that he put in uh, there as well. There, there, it wasn't all perfect as far as the defensive backs go. I think uh, you know if if you're if you see the run, uh, you know as a defensive back, you kind of have to have contain. And there were a couple of times where Taron Adams uh, in for Chase Lucas broke contain a little bit on that, uh, and so. You know, the, the defensive backs weren't perfect. They didn't go out and make any plays. They didn't score any touchdowns. There weren't a lot of tip passes or anything like that. But for the most part, having to provide support in the run game is what stood out uh, the, the most to me about that position group. Uh, special teams. Uh, Brandon Reese didn't have to do very much today at all. Uh, wasn't able to get the onside kick uh, attempt late in the game, but it didn't end up mattering because J.J. Wilson ripped the ball away uh, from from San Diego State's sophomore running back and gave ASU one last chance. Um, but again, Brandon Reese didn't have uh, much in the way of having to kick any field goals or do anything like that. Uh, he, he was definitely outshined uh, by San Diego State's kicker, um, John Barron, uh, who... Um, who was able to kick it well into the end zone every single time. Uh, Reese struggled a little bit to do that. Uh, and speaking of kicking it into the end zone, gotta have a little bit of a critical grade for the returners. I think Ayuk downed a ball that he that he shouldn't have, um, that he should have probably let roll into the end zone for a touchback on, on a punt. And then Ryan Newsom took a ball nine yards deep out of the end zone to try to make something happen while all of his upbacks were telling him to stop. So then he outran his upbacks and ended up getting tackled around the 10 or 11 yard line, which was kind of a boneheaded move. So uh, special teams as a whole, I'd say that the, the kicking game, um, maybe give them a, a B minus or a C plus in the uh, the return and kick kick coverage game. Um, power return, kick return, kick coverage. Uh, that, that, that was not a good night for them. So thinking maybe a, a, a D or something like that as far as a as far as a position grade, there's definitely stuff that they need to improve, um, which, uh, you know, they, they uh, Herm Edwards preached stay humble, stay hungry. He preached leave it on the grass and all that stuff. Arizona State, of course, already went out and turned those catchphrases into uh, um, uh, marketable merchandise uh, because that's the way that college sports work nowadays. Uh, but, you know, I, I would say that it really felt like Arizona State 
did not follow Herm Edwards' advice uh, when it when it came to uh, to stay in Hungary. Uh, but that might not necessarily apply uh, directly to the players, but 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 the coaches as well. Um, the the overall grade that I'd have to give the the, the coaches on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, this was I I, I would consider this to be an absolute uh, massive failure. One that's enough to start bringing up you know old concerns you know Rob Likens has one season experience running an offense and you know Dave Christensen's bounced around a little bit and you know and and you know why did Charlie Fisher leave from being a head coach to come be a wide receiver coach you know you get back into all that speculation uh and curiosity from before the season what was the longest offseason of all time uh where you know where, where all you could do is speculate about different things but when, when you get a loss like this, when, when, when it probably should have been a win, you're left in a situation where, you know, you, you have all of these questions and you don't necessarily have the answers to those questions. So what I'll be doing later in the week uh, with, with the Devil's Junkie podcast midweek show, uh, we'll be looking at some of the stuff that, that Herm Edwards, uh, Danny Gonzalez, and everybody had to say in the, uh, the immediate aftermath as well as Monday's press conference and, and, you know, and what they have to say at open practices as well. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear more from Danny Gonzalez. I'm interested to hear more from Rob Likens, uh, as well as Herm Edwards, to ultimately see, you know, what this team thinks they need to do. Do they think they're struggling? Um, do they think it's a matter of, of play calling, or is it simply execution? Does this staff that came together uh, pretty late, you know, it's an interesting situation where, you know, Herm Edwards just wanted to come in and coach a team and leave all the assistants in place. Well, the offensive coordinator leaves, the offensive line coach leaves, the defensive coordinator leaves, and, and you know, you have to make some hires if, if you're Herm Edwards. And, and it's not always t- uh, easy to gel until you've all, you know, like like uh, I've heard certain coaches say, until you've all been to war together a few times. And so you have to wonder if maybe some of the coaches are still kind of feeling out this situation uh, on the Arizona State sideline and trying to figure out what exactly the strengths of this team are offensively and defensively and make sure that the right personnel is on the field. In the meantime, Arizona State sits at 2-1 and one with a trip to Washington on the horizon. And so uh, no, no rest for the weary. Uh, Arizona State's going to have to do what they've uh, essentially uh done to Jake Browning for the majority of his college career, which is pressure him and make him look human. Um, there's a lot of speed on the outside for Washington, and so it'll be interesting to see how Arizona State adjusts from having to stack the box against uh, one running back to you know having a five wide receiver set with uh, two of their fastest guys running bubble screens on, on, on both sides and having to defend against that, you know, quick decision making from their quarterback and, and and the like. So um, Arizona State University, 2-1, and one, tough loss at San Diego State. Uh, with, with, with this uh, um, on the road back from San Diego podcast coming to a close, uh, I would say that it's, it's, it's fair to say we're on to Washington and, and won't spend too much more time examining what was a disappointing loss out in San Diego. For the Devil's Junkie Podcast, I am your host, Ralph Amston, and we'll catch you in a few days. I was living in a devil town, a 
Didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town All my friends were vampires Didn't know they were vampires Turns out I was a vampire myself in the devil town